0: welcome back to the more than punk podcast i'm sid mckay i hope you're enjoying the new intro music it's growing on me i've got to admit i'm, I'm getting it's i'm getting to love it a little bit more And um, welcome to another episode i say another we're coming up pretty fast on episode 40 which is crazy to think that other than over Christmas there's been 40 weeks um, of non-stop episodes which has been pretty cool. So this week I'm chatting with the guys in The Love Breakers, Christian and Chino, and we're going to be chatting all things punk, all things California, I should say specifically pop punk, um, all things California which is awesome, it's a place that we all love, Um, it's the place where they recorded their brand new record and it is a very nice city especially when the uk is being rainy although it's been pretty good lately right so i'm really excited to bring you this week's episode um their new album is actually out now so you should go and check it out it's a lot of fun chatting with these guys and this is for a lot of people i think going to be the album of the summer so i'm really looking forward to seeing people get it in their hands and and stuff check it out these guys are a fantastic band um and they're really going to go places so this is the love breakers more than punk christian and chino Here's the conversation. What else do you need? Enjoy it. Talk to you soon. Hey, how's it going?
1: I'm good. How are you, dude?
0: Yeah, I'm not doing too bad.
1: This is Chino, I'm a guitar player. This is Sebastian.
0: Nice to meet you. you. we were just starting to chat a little bit about the um, are we, aren't we situation that we seem to have found ourselves in as a country um, and how that I relate pertains insert word um to waiting to when you release music or if you just kind of go for it because i think it's yeah it's a mice and men were like fuck it we're not going to do an album this is too hard we're going to do a series of eps yeah yeah because why not you know we had that suggestion from quite a few people um
1: but the way we uh we're a bit like not not old school but like we're a bit we romanticize still over records and things being, like, a complete package as opposed to it just being, like, here's a single, wait another month or two, here's another single. Lot like, for me, like, I love, lot like, listening to, like, full records and, like, from, you know, side A, you finish side A, you flip it over, you listen to side B and, like, the tracks sort of sitting alongside each other really nicely in, like, the perfect order. Um, whereas, like, with, like, the way things are, these days digitally, I get that, like, everyone has everything at the, finger, the, the fingertips and people like having, you know, labels especially and, like, you know, people like to see constant content. And so, like, if you're releasing one single every month, if it keeps the content flowing and keeps the interest in your brand or your band alive. But, like, I don't know, man, like, I get it, but I'm just, like, I'm not sold by it. I still think there's a lot of people out there who love to have, who, who are patient enough to wait for, a, you know, a full thing. Um, and that's that's the sort of position we found ourselves in. We like released a single. I think it was like once every like couple of months, but we got to like four singles, and we were like no more because once once the record comes out, what's the point? Like people have heard it all. And like I really like that. Like um, whenever I buy a record by a band, of, like the singles that have come out from that record aren't necessarily my favourite songs that here on the record. I, I go into the record and I'm like, whoa, actually that song there is my favourite song. Why wasn't that a single, that's the best song on the record? Or, like, you know, there's a few songs like that. So that that was our take on it all from the start, really. We are all pretty, like, we love that idea of, yeah, like a full sort of uh, package, a full record, like a full piece of art, as opposed to just, like, here you go, here's one song, here's another. Like, do you know what I mean? That's that's Mm. my take on it, so. Well,
2: to be honest, we'd, we'd waited... We kind of delayed it around a year, and it doesn't seem like there's much of a better time to release it than now. To be honest, I mean, we we can't see what's going to happen in the future. It could get worse. Or it could get better. We don't know, yeah. but we can't see a better time to release it now. So,
0: yeah,
2: here it goes. Because so oh,
1: if the sorry. Pandemic, yeah, sorry man, if the pandemic kept going, like you could just be waiting forever. You could be going, ah, oh, wait, wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and like. It's, a, it's like a summer record for us anyway. So it's like, we've delayed it a year. We've done all we can really. And yeah, like we're already working on like a second record. So it's just like, might as well get, get it out there and hopefully people can blast it over the summer.
0: <laughs> is it that old thing, right? Of what's new for us as fans and listeners? It's like definitely not new for you guys, you know? And it's like the, the whole thing, it might have been delayed for a year, but you might have had those songs for five years. Right, and so there comes a point where you are just like, for fuck's sake, we just have to release these. But, but <laughs> pe- people have been telling me for years that like streaming is going to kill the album. No one's going to release albums anymore. It's just not going to happen. And yet, month after month, year after year, people continue to release albums. And it's been, you know, and it's like they're like sharks. You know, they've been around for a really long time, and they're just going to keep swimming. And I think that. I think we don't give people enough credit for how much they like to just put on an album and listen to it top to bottom. Yeah. You I know. think
1: I think things come in waves as well. Like um like I remember this when the C D sort of died out in like the late two thousands, everything was like MP3, MP3, stream, stream, stream. And then it still is now, but like I think I read somewhere that like the sales of records like vinyl is like the highest it's ever been, or at least it was like a year or two ago um so things just come in waves but i think underneath it all well, i think there's always been a desire for people to expand their their record collection um i think it's like a bit of a collect a collector's thing like people people love to collect don't they um people like to hold things because it's also it's every it's always here isn't it like ah duh, 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 duh. but like it's not it's not very magical is it maybe i'm being a bit more cheesy
0: but like it's not you don't nice. own anything anymore
1: exactly exactly it's a uh, so yeah the the idea of the record still holds true to me and i think like i think like all the you know all all the people who are into records now will still will still sort of be buying them from years to come for years to come so yeah man
2: for me an album as i think is kind of like an embodiment of work of that period of time of that band so like you know, you, you can compare albums from from bands and you go, oh, that is that album, that song's off that album, and that's from that period of time. If you just release things as singles, it's, it's got no identity, it doesn't belong to anything, and it's just random.
0: That's true, yeah. Really good point. It's so nice being able to, like, think of an artist that you like and then go, oh, I'm in the mood for, like, album number one or three or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that whole idea of, like, the artist that you like usually have a song for every occasion. Hundred
1: percent. It's like Gr- Green Day, the band that I grew up, who who sort of got me into music altogether, and they're still probably they still are my favorite band. Um, and like I go through phases. Like one week I'll be like, oh, I want to listen to American Idiot era because that you know I'm in, I'm into that. And then there's a solid week, fucking record. Yeah, it's incredible. And then the next week I'll be like, oh, just strip it back. I'll, you know I'm into I'm going to listen to Dookie today or Insomniac. Like, and it's so true. Like it, it captures like a period of time and yeah the, whereas if it's just singles like it'd just be like oh yeah it's just a bit a bit throw I, I get what I get the need for it don't get me wrong um because labels like to record labels and you know publicists and whoever like to have that um that stream of content to keep you know to keep people interested but I I, I uh I'm definitely on the side of you know I like to have both. I like to be able to put put Spotify in my car, but when, you know, when I get home, I like to be able to stick a record on and just chill on my bed and
0: listen to it go by, so. Hmm. I remember feeling like I was forced out of listening to CDs and into things like Spotify. And this is, this gimmick's an old as fuck. But, you know, you, like, have a – I just had this, like, lizard CD rack on my wall, and it held, like, 50 CDs whatever. And I had them all laid out, and it was awesome. I had, like, stereo and all that kind of thing. And then you get a laptop, and it's like, oh, okay, this can go here. And then you get an iPad, and you're like, that's cool. I'll listen to CDs at home, iPad, iPod, just, like, too many years before. Um, But then eventually, like, your computer doesn't have a disk drive in it anymore, and you can't update your iPod. And then it's like – What do I do? And then your iPod dies and you go, oh, well, my computer doesn't have a hard drive, a disk drive, and I can get it on my phone. So I guess I'll just use this. And it's odd to me because it's like, I feel like it just happened to the music industry. You know, like we kind of just woke up one day and we were like, oh, oh, shit. Okay. It wasn't like the music industry went out and went, it's going to be so much cheaper because like CDs cost a bunch to make and you've got to charge people breakage and distribution and all that. They sort of just went, oh, Apple did that. So I guess we do that now. Yeah, it's
1: crazy, mate. And it's it's really sad as well. But um, you know what? CDs might come back one day. And I had a I had a fantastic I've still got a really good CD collection at my mum's house. Um literally loads, and it was Me amazing. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's awesome because you could buy CDs. I remember a lot on Amazon, you could buy like CDs for like three pounds, brand new or like new used, and uh, they were in great condition. So I was just buying like loads of like I'd go into like the liner notes of like my favorite records and it'd be like ah, uh, we thank the Bouncing Souls and I'd be like oh check out the Bouncing Souls go on Amazon buy like free Bouncing Souls records all of a sudden I found my new favourite band and then I'm looking through their notes oh uh, we thank blah 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 blah. and then I'm getting that the Dropkick Murphys records um it's just like yeah so who knows maybe CDs will come back but again CDs were cool because you could get you the little booklet inside and like there's something cool about it so um yeah man fingers I, I'd love them to make a comeback because I think I don't know. I think they're cool, man. I'll, I'll, still, I'll
2: still vouch for them. <laughs> anything physical? Anything physical that you can actually like hold? Because I think the, I think even the, the time of paying on like iTunes to download something, I think that's dead as well. That's completely dead. I mean, that's even more dead than CDs and stuff because it doesn't even have a purpose anymore now that you've got Spotify or Apple Music or whatever just anything physical, anything that if you're gonna buy it, at least you can hold it and look at it and look at the the line in notes as Christian was saying and read the story behind it and look at the artwork and stuff. Just a nice thing to look at while you got the record on. It's a nice accompaniment to it. Yeah, definitely.
0: I remember Rise Against used to have book recommendations inside the liner notes. And I always thought that was super cool because you'd like listen to this band and they'd be like, I don't know, war is bad, whatever. And then, but then there'd be a whole bunch of books you could read about it. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah, it was. It felt like a. Uh, um, it felt deliberate. You know, it's like I think we forget that like everything that was put there was put there for a reason. And 100%. it's just such a like. This is such a nostalgic episode. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Man. That's that's
1: that's what it's all about. I remember like um when Against Me put out new. If they put out like um a deluxe version of it on CD and it had like a DVD with it and um it had like a uh, on the live DVD, they were playing Bastards of Young by The Replacements, and I already had my first Replacements record, it was Hootenanny. And I was like, oh, I, I remember buying it in Lemington." it was like about 2004, 2005, because I saw Billy Joe Armstrong wearing a Replacements T-shirt, and I bought Hootenanny and I listened to it on CD, and I was like, mm, it's, it's all right. When I, when you're that young, like stuff that isn't produced or recorded that great, you find it hard to listen to. But then Against Me releases this DVD, and they played Bastards of Young and I was like dude this song's awesome like who's this buying said the replacements in the liner notes and I was like shit like I'm gonna fucking proper get into the replacements and then they ended up becoming like my my joint favorite band with Green Day um yeah like all that stuff is for a purpose and it's amazing because it opens like doors and like i found so many of my favorite bands from sitting there like reading the notes and yeah, there's something really nice about that, I think. Whereas these days, it's like, you just go onto Spotify and it's like artists similar or artists you may like if you listen to this and
0: like,
1: helpful, mm. but like nine no times out of 10, those artists are like, n- not the artists
0: I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm spoiled because I get emails with, oh, this is old school. I remember when I started reviewing CDs, this is such a throwback, they used to post them you would get an envelope with a CD in it and you'd have like two days to listen to it and then you'd write up an article and then you'd send it to you know your editor like I'm not so old that you would write the article by hand and then you know post it to the editor but it was it was before they had like Horlicks and all you know all those kinds of distribution services and stuff and yeah it was such a weird I forget where I'm going with this but it just reminded me of that like how yeah, you would get them sometimes, and they'd have like cracks through the front because some poster dropped it or stepped on it or or whatever. Like, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I I get I get this CD case in two pieces now.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, amazing. <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, I I feel. I feel lucky like because I get both sides of the industry right I get the side where I get emails from people they go hey you need to check this band out and I get recommendations and then I get the Spotify algorithm that goes hey you've listened to like 36 crazy fists for five minutes here's every other band that sounds like them and you're like yeah calm down (laughs) yeah it's like I just wanted to listen to time and trauma <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that record. It's
1: such a good album. No, I'm not listening to it. I need to. Uh, I don't know if it will be too heavy for me, man. Like, I'm metal scares me a little bit. Fair play. <laughs> it Just I long. Like, it's a. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to metal. Like, ever since I heard that snare on Saint Anger by Metallica, I was like, dude, I'm not going anywhere near this ever again. <laughs> uh,
0: that's beautiful. You're in the right place for that. <laughs> <laughs> They, I remember this, when I was just getting into getting into it I, my friend showed me this um, music video from the Murder Dolls which is Joey Jordison's band from Slipknot right? yeah, the, yeah. other band I mean and this was back in uh, like pre-2010 so it must have been like 2005 or something and they had all of this like ghoulish makeup on and they kind of like tights up the arms with holes in them and like the pink and purple dreads And I just thought it was the most horrendous thing that I had ever heard. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, get out. This is not real. It was incredible what you on about. Yeah. And that was the one that he showed me. And I was like, what? This is. And then it it took time, you know, after a while, I was like, okay, I'm like, I dig this. People play Billy Idol. And I'm like, put the murder dolls on. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I remember
1: that being on Kerrang. Like they had like a um, like a, a brief period of like success but obviously because uh your man your man joey's in the band but um yeah i remember that's the only one i remember white wedding but um i remember thinking it was actually uh, all right that that white wedding cover like it wasn't it wasn't too bad like for a white wedding cover it was decent so
0: (laughs) it's just i think it was just like really out there for me you know like it was you go from like red hot chili peppers kind of like under the bridge era nice and safe to like that and it was like what the fuck yeah, yeah, it was. That was a
1: really cool it. I remember, like, I used to get home from school and I'd just sit on the couch at my mum's house and just put on Kerrang! And uh, I never had Skuz, because Skuz was, like, I think you have to have Sky for that. I only ever had Virgin. Uh, I remember Kerrang! was on there. And um, I just remember sitting and watching music videos and, like, there'd be loads of bad ones, but then you it'd be such a, like, a great feeling when something you like come on. So mm-hmm. like, sit through, like, hours of, like, I don't know, like in me and fucking, yeah. Uh, Who's that? Let the bodies hit the floor. Song drowning. Pops. Oh yeah,
0: POD. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, drowning.
1: POD. Yeah. So I'd sit for hours of like bad new metal just to watch, just hoping fucking like they play basket case or something, <laughs> and when basket case would come on and be like, "Yes, yes, my night is made." <laughs> Good times, man. Good times.
2: I never even had any of that. I was deprived. Never had Sky or like any posh tele. <laughs> <saw my> channel. <laughs> that is the That's
1: channel. top of the, box. <laughs> top of the box, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was really cool, man. Like, and I remember, um, the Atron was quite good as well at one point because it had like a real like, mix. Um, whereas Kerrang sort of lent towards like sort of new metal in that sort of period. Um, but then there was Scuds as well, and I remember like. Few of my friends had scooters and they were always like telling me about like new sort of bands that were playing because they'd play like quite a lot of up and coming lot like, of punk bands on it. So um I don't know if the I don't know if these channels are actually still going anymore. I'm not too sure because I don't I don't watch TV and I don't I, everything's on YouTube these days, isn't it? So I can't imagine there's much of a uh, a need for Kerrang! TV
0: anymore, which is quite sad, really. So did half the band had Virgin, of the other half stole Kerrang! magazines? Is that the I say, kind of. magazines are awesome, and it, it's still going, isn't it? I hope it's. Yeah, yeah, Krang's still going. Yeah, I, so because I grew up in New Zealand, so I didn't get like any of that stuff. We had what we called C four, which was that same kind of thing, right? But you had to um, text in if you wanted songs to to play, and it cost the equivalent of like fifty p. And I remember I would text in and then stay up like all night waiting for, you know, the song that I texted in for, fully not realizing that the whole thing was a scam and that it was just like a radio rotation kind of thing, right? (laughs) But yeah, it would come on and you'd be like, yes, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I was super late to Scuzz, like, man, more than a decade late to it. But as soon as it sort of got onto YouTube and started like getting into that sphere, I I remember watching their interviews and being like, oh my God, you don't have to sit a band down and say like, how did you get the band name? Like, how did you get into music? Because that's what everyone around me was doing, right? Because the whole thing with street press is that you don't have to be good at it. They just need people to fill paper. And so it was like, just this feedback loop of how did you get your band name? Where are you going to be in five years? And you're like fucking playing music. And, uh, but like watching that, those interviews were so formative for me. I was just like, oh, this is how it can be done. And now I just talk shit and people seem to like it.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, fair play, man. Yeah, you you got to learn somehow, is it? And, like, yeah, Scuzz was quite cool at like, that. It was um, just a little bit different to, like, Kerrang!, wasn't it? And, like, it wasn't it wasn't a sort of mainstream. It was cool. Yeah, I remember, like, yeah, a few of my friends, like, saying, like, oh, I've seen this band on Scuzz. I think I remember, like, one band, I think they were called like, Uncle Brian or something. They were, they never made it big, but, like, they were, like, a punk band and uh, ended up, through Scuzz, going to see them play in Birmingham. Um, Yes, cause it was always sort of good for that to sort of t- turning you onto sort of new sort of bands.
0: So. Speaking of new, I'm going to segue into the album because I feel like I will get my ass kicked if we don't talk about it for at least thirty seconds. <laughs> um, debut album, which is cool, exciting, but how long in the making? Like, has it been a thing where you've been sitting on it for what feels like your whole lives and refining and refining and refining, or did it come together kind of nicely? It came together relatively quick basically um, yeah.
1: we did we did our we did our like first ep and then uh we just started because chino joined the band like a few months about six months into us, to us starting and then um we were sort of like finding out you know sounds sounds a bit cheesy but finding your sound but you are like when you you know you get a new member in and you're still you know in the early stage of being in a band a lot of the songs just started to happen really quick once chino joined and it started to create like, um, like our own sound. Cause when you, when you're a free piece, you're really limited, but the second you put like a lead guitar player in who spe- specializes like just in lead, it can give you like a, it can make your sound a little bit more unique and a little bit more interesting. So the song started to happen really quick. Jack was writing quite a lot and then, um, yeah, it all just came together really quickly. And, and then obviously we recorded it in March, 2019. We had like the opportunity to go out to Los Angeles and, uh, it was all mixed and mastered and everything by, by August, and then we were planning to release it like early 2020, going into the summer, to when we were on tour with Social Distortion, and obviously like the sky fell. So I don't know yep. if you had anything for that tune you know, like
2: No, I was, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, really. like It was really quick. All, all the songs came really quickly. Everything was done. Like we recorded it in three weeks. Everything was done dead quickly. And then it just felt like we were just sat on it just forever. Like it felt like there was a rush, 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 rush. get it done, get it done, get it done. And then just nothing for two years. But finally, <laughs> finally we can let it go.
0: <laughs> so, you know, talk me through this this LA thing, right? Because I talk to a lot of bands. Sometimes they're from the US, sometimes they're from the UK. But when you talk to UK bands, it's kind of like, now that this whole Brexit thing has happened, they're like, do we just go to the US and fuck Europe because it's you know getting harder and that kind of thing? But not a lot of the bands that I talk to go to the US to record, right? So do you, do you guys feel like you've already got a like a foothold and it, like you're sort of comfortable with the place? You just want to get out there, or and because obviously a lot of your tour dates are coming up are European based, but I'm assuming that's based around the ongoing apocalypse, right? Yeah. But yeah. are you kind of thinking like, yes, if we want to really break this and crack this, we'll hit back stateside where we recorded and start kind of going up the east coast. Or is what, it coast what, I forget.
1: Yeah, yeah. What it, what it is is like for me. I, I think like in, in the UK, regardless of Brexit and all that, I think the music scenes within the UK are quite snobby and hipstery anyway. And I feel like you have to like you have to be in a in a real like set deep into a genre for people to sort of take you on board. Um, like you have to either be like. Really punk, really metalcore, really indie. Whereas like our music's really sort of in the middle. Like you get, we've had it a lot. Like we get a like lot punk promoters going, ah, oh, man, they're too indie. And then we've had like indie promoters when we're trying to get on shows, ah, oh, now you're too punk. And it's like, I think like our sound is like slap, like bang down the middle. It's like just just power pop. It's like it's got like an undercurrent of punk, indie, a bit, a bit of everything. But here it's really hard unless you're proper in a set in a genre to get people interested. Whereas in the States, music in America is just, it's built on guitars. And um, it, yeah. was just, it was, I think if, if, if we're going to do anything like, I feel with a lot of bands, like in, our, in a similar situation, you have to go to America first and have the kids in America going, oh, these are cool. And then the hipster's here will go, oh, actually, oh, that's cool. I, I might dig <laughs> it now. Um, and the, with recording out there, like, I've been friends with Davey, who produced our record. He's from Birmingham as well. And um, it was just like such a good opportunity. It was like, come out and record, record with us. And uh, it's like palm trees, blue skies, great weather. It was just like, let's all work hard for a few months, get some, get a load of great songs down, work our jobs, save up our pocket money and put everything into going out to LA and just enjoying ourselves. And I think that like, really comes through in the songs and the record. Um, I think if it was recorded in like in you know Birmingham, like all due respect, it's pretty grey and grim. It's not it's not the nicest of environments really. Um, I don't think it would have sounded as good. And when you're waking up and like the sky is blue and there's palm trees and you're just waking up with a smile on your face, you're going to go in and perform better, aren't you? Um, So. Yeah, to answer your question, like, it was just like, why not? And and yeah, I, I I just want to get back to America. I want to play America as much as possible with this mm-hmm. band. I think it'd be like, I think it'd be fucking awesome. I mean, to play anywhere would be amazing. Do you know what I mean? At this moment, yep. you know, <laughs> um, America is the place. man. What what did you think of it all, Chino, you know, lot. Like,
2: so like for me, it was just an experience. Like It's the type of thing you think, I'm never going to go like to America and record an album. Like when you're a guitarist starting out, you just think, I'm just going to play in the living room for the rest of my life, and that's it. But it, it, that wasn't the case. It actually happened. And it's a little bit of a pinch me moment when you're there. You're like, oh, my God, this is really happening, like, and this is really cool. Like we rented a really nice like, house right on the beach, and as soon as you get up every morning, you see the, see the sunshine, palm trees, beach, waves rolling, in, and everything like this is nice. It just sets you up every day for, in a good mood to start recording. And as Christian said, it does come through on the, on the record. It does. And I don't know if that's just tainted because we were there and we saw it. But to me, it sounds like summer and it sounds like Enchanting beach and that kind of thing. It, fe- it feels like that. And it
0: sounds like where you'd rather be. Yeah, sorry. Sounds like where you'd rather be anywhere in the
2: sunshine <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <Anywhere sunny. laughs>
0: uh, I mean like LA is such a wonderful place like it's it's, it's weird and incredible and, and so many different things and I know for me when I moved up to Edinburgh there was kind of this sense of like I mean you know keeping in mind that I come from a city where they sort of looked at the old stuff in the 90s and thought we don't like that we're going to rip it all down so it's just like concrete and glass right so coming up to Edinburgh with everything's like old as fuck and you, you know, you have a sign on the inside of your door for the flat that says like, "Don't turn the water off in the winter because the pipes will break." You're like, "That's weird." Like, did you feel that kind of? You're going into LA, and there's so, you know, so much cool stuff that comes out of that place that you kind of wanted to up the ante a bit. Does that make sense? Like, as opposed to being in your comfort zone and and knowing you can do well, sort of wanting to push yourselves a bit more because of the sort of spirit of the place.
1: Hundred percent for me. It's like you go there and like. You, you you have to have a swagger about you. You have to, because LA is, like, it's it's got everything there. And it's, like, every – it's a subculture in itself, the state of California. Everyone starts, everyone skateboards, everyone's into the arts. Um, everyone knows somebody. Like, when we were hopping in and out of Ubers, every Uber driver was, like, oh, yeah, I know Bruce Willis. I know uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> it's, like, it's just crazy. It's, like, I'm not sure you do, mate, but fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, when you're there, yeah, like, everything just, like – yeah, you feel like I don't know, man. Like when you're with your best mates and you're in a band and you truly believe in what you're doing, you you, you carry yourself like we've got we've got something. You know, we've got something great here. Let's let's make the most of it and fucking so we're here for a reason. We're here in LA for a reason because we're good enough to be here. Like um, without sounding like, like like a dickhead, like I, I truly believe that. I believe in the music and um, it was just a, it was just so much fun, mate. Like honestly, like I'm like. I'd finished all my parts after like the first week so I could sort of dip in and out of the studio and me and our drummer at the time, Marcus, we got like an Uber into, into LA and we just went and explored and like, just went on Google and like, searched for like landmarks and like cool places, you know, that you've seen in the movies and in history and uh, just went and had an explorer and there's art everywhere, there's like cool people everywhere. It's just like a constant buzz. It's and it's totally different to like New York. New York's like, Hustle and bustle, like everyone's like, boom, like looking straight ahead. Whereas California people are a bit more like, a bit more happy and a bit more welcoming, and like, uh, which is understandable when you know, the weather the weather's good and you know the sun's shining and you're not far from the beach or whatever. So yeah, man, I, I love it out there. California for me is, I'd, I'd love to end up there one day. It's just the most expensive place to live on the planet. So I don't know if it will <laughs> ever happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you've got to be Motley Crew level to to live in California, right? It's fucking insane. But I think I had an Uber driver there once that said that he was producing a record or was recording with Drake or something. And I was like, I'm sure you are, dude. I'm, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I don't believe you're
2: driving an Uber. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. He's like, oh, I, I Uber when I'm not recording with Drake. And I was like, "I just, I just don't see that happening.
2: He might make his tea for him. <laughs> True. might do that. And he might pick up a microphone for him. <laughs> I doubt he's, re- to doubt he's recording his record.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, maybe it was a proximity thing. I mean, he, he just parks outside the recording studios and watches it <laughs> as he comes and goes.
1: <laughs> it's mad though, because a lot of people do actually do lot Uber, because it's quite expensive, because obviously the cost of living out there is uh, is ridiculously high, and that's why there's not such a... Big homelessness problem as well, but um, yeah. I think it doesn't. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, there are people who do that because um, a lot of the Uber drivers we spoke to did say that they do the Uber on the side to make a bit of extra money. Um, you find that a lot of people out like, there do work like two, maybe three jobs as well, which is it's quite sad, really. Um, but I guess you got to do what you got to do. I think yeah. that,
2: like the the one thing that shocked me about LA that I didn't didn't like at all was like the divide between the rich and poor like we went to go see the lakers on our last night um and you know you go to this really big posh stadium and then down the road that is roads full of tents of homeless people And you think damn right it's, yeah. it's that's not the way it should be like there is a, a you know a homelessness problem in, in this country but nothing on the scale of there absolutely nothing on the scale of there. that's the really the only thing that i kind of looked at and thought hmm
1: yeah. They ain't right about R- Really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Like
2: yeah.
1: really sad. I remember I remember seeing that and I was like, gee, how does that happen? Like, like you got like around the corner, you've got like roads where you know, like Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt and all those guys are living. And then two blocks away, it's like different planets. It's crazy, man. Um, but if you can sort of get past that, you know, as a place aesthetically and everything else going on there, like it's uh it can be quite overwhelming because it's not one of those places where you can have a week and you, you know, there's no like city centre, is there? There's nowhere there's not like mm. a spot like you know, like Times Square or whatever. And you can sort of wander from there and everything's pretty close. It's so vast. There's like eighty like odd eighty odd cities within LA. So it's like um
2: it like its own quite, country.
1: Yeah, so it can be quite overwhelming, but because we were there for so long, we managed to sort of um Take it in quite nicely, like explore different parts. I think if you're there, like briefly, it can it, it could be quite like, whoa, this place fucking sucks." Do you know what I mean? How long were you there for? We were there for a month. Pretty yeah. well. We, we did like three three weeks in LA, and then we went up to like San Francisco. We did like the coastal drive. Like once we'd finished recording, we we were like, "Well, finish recording now. Let's fly home from San Francisco because." It'd just be nice to all go because I, I, a lot me and jacks especially like our favorite band is like well one of our favorite bands is green day and they're obviously from like the east the east bay scene up in san francisco so we went up there and sort of we went up we went to like gilman street and um we went around like oakland and, and berkeley and yeah just tried to hit, hit the landmarks and sort of did, did the, the punk rock pilgrimage so <laughs> that was really nice man that was really fun
0: i see. one of the we we talked about this a little bit before you mentioned the whole content thing constant content working on your brand and stuff and this one always it's always interesting to me because i know that everyone that gets into a band does it because they like playing music right and i realize that sounds stupid to say but there's so much that comes with it and when you guys were like sitting down thinking okay we're gonna you know do this band thing we're gonna really go for it Are, are you in the band mindset are you in business mindset are you kind of thinking like looking over here thinking there's so much business stuff that we have to learn to to deal with and navigate at the same time or are you just thinking well you know we can we can deal with it as it comes up
1: yeah not for, literally I'm not just saying it like it we started just it, and still now it's just just for fun like the, the business side of it like I'll, I'll be playing till and I'm sure Chino's the same I'd be playing till I'm 16 covers bands I don't care because I enjoy playing music um, mm. It's just that, like, as we started writing more and more songs, like, um, it gets more
2: serious at that point when you realise it's good.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it gets it get, gets better. The songs get good, and then other people start going, "Oh, I, I like that," and it's cool. It's like it's like really rewarding, and it's nice. But, but it, there is a lot to take in. Like, you you know, you have to. You know, like just something as simple as like buying merch, and you going to each of the lads. oh can you send me your twenty quid for the merch? And then you have to like, you know, make sure like, you know, you're making profit on the merch and that. And like, I don't know, like, I'm not just saying it like because, but I genuinely just do it for the love of it. I love playing bass. I'm 32 now. Like, I, a lot of my friends who played music gave up a long time ago. Um, I do it because I love playing music, and I'll, I'd be I'd be lying if I said I don't I, I don't want love breakers to to be as big as it can be like if that means playing to like 50 people in in a in a in Birmingham amazing I'd still be stoked if it means us being you know as as big as the Rolling Stones like to me it, it doesn't matter like um I just want people to enjoy the music as much as we enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? And if they don't, fair enough, I'm still going to I'm still gonna keep playing and just having a good time because when, when we jam, we have such a laugh. Like me and Chino, when we play and we're doing like a new song, we give each other the look. So Jack will <laughs> want a song, you know, he'll bring it to rehearsal and like he'll play it for us on his own. He'll have like a verse and chorus or whatever and he'll play it and we'll be like, me and Chino and like Nathan, our new drummer, we look at each other and we're like, yeah, this is fucking great, man. This is so much fun. And then we all sort of, crank up the volume on our instruments and sort of join in with jack and it just sort of it just falls together really nicely and i think when you're smiling at rehearsal and like you're looking at each other like having a laugh like well, why not do it otherwise if i'm not yeah. doing it i'm gonna be sat at home on my ass like playing xbox do you know what i mean so
2: <laughs> is it
0: the same for you you know i mean not to break up the band where you go ah fuck i mean jeez christian is get his shit together if we're gonna take over the world but you know, band bands are sometimes democracies and sometimes not, right? That's what makes them fun.
2: Going back to the business side of things, you're quite lucky because, uh, you know, Christian's been in quite a few bands before and he's been there and done it with a lot of, you know, you know touring, getting merch, doing, you know, organising videos, all that kind of stuff. And he's a, he, I'll just say, he's an absolute wizard with organising things like that and makes things happen. Like the, the album, if he didn't have the connection he had, with Davey that wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have been able to do it, it's as simple as that. So like going back to that business side of things is is fantastic. he kinda of brushed over that a bit. But
1: it's it's just like, yeah, like with that, I just I just sort of get that done and then, you know, like the admin side of things is, is, is the worst part about being in a band. It's like annoying because you're trying to like get stuff done and you know, try and keep everyone happy and like so I just try and do that as quietly as I can on the side and then that way like it can just remain as like fun as possible do you know what I mean and I think like that shows when when, we're, when we all get together and we have a laugh like there's a little bar next to our lock up and like if we're like you know if we played a song a bazillion times and it's not quite sounding right we'll go fuck it let's go next door to the bar and we'll just hang out and not like, have a drink or whatever and I think if you can do that and just continue to have a good time and get on with each other, because like you said, bands, bands are democracies, and it's not hard because like, creative. All of us are creative types. You yourself are creative types. said like, it's hard when you're having like, you know, three, four different voices firing ideas at each other. It can be difficult, but for the most part, like, it's so far I've been, you know, relatively plain sailing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say there's not times when we aren't wanting to kick each other's asses because we're, we're human at the end of the day um but i think if you can leave the rehearsal room feeling positive and with a smile on your face and enjoy playing music then just keep going for as long as you can and if if something good comes of it amazing if not who cares just keep going man i'll I'll be playing in like a tom
0: petty covers band when i'm like 50 (laughs) odd so (laughs) (laughs) i mean hopefully you'll be playing in the love breakers when you're 50 and you know the plan Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, talking of the um, admin side of things. I'm I'm really always really curious about where bands sort of sit on like their social numbers and if they stress out about them or they don't stress. So I don't really stress out about mine, but I stress about my stream numbers and they're very different. And, like, I'll, I'll look at it and I go, oh, fuck, I'm down, like, 5% this week. Like, got to get my shit together. And I have this weird kind of um, gamification thing. I don't get anything except, like, a small hit of serotonin if I get, you know, 10% more or whatever. But do you do you kind of look at them and go, oh, shit, we need to be, you know, like, getting these up? Or do you just try well, to keep that to the side? Yeah, well,
2: we know it's important. And it, it like the problem is it is important now, as much as it wants to be avoided. it is important now it's it's what you know it's what managers booking agents, labels, all that that's what they all look at because it, it's it's a it's a a quick and easy measure of success, if you want to call it that. Um, so it needs to be kept in mind all the time because as i say the the right people are looking at it, but I don't know, like I think if you get too too hung up on it and spend too much time thinking about that rather than the important stuff you just become an, an influencer on Instagram and that, that's not what we're trying to achieve yeah
1: 100% Matt. you've hit the nail on the head and like it's funny like when we when we finished the record we, we were like I will just release it ourselves or whatever but then like we started to like when I started to send to like friends and stuff they were like man you should see if like a label can put this out and I was like all right we'll give it a go so we aimed high we aimed low we sent it to loads of independents. we sent it to like major labels just to see if anyone got back to us and um no one we had like a few responses and all of them said the same thing are oh, your numbers aren't very good on social media and i think that's heartbreaking but it just goes to show that it does counter something but why attack the label in the us they don't they don't, our, our label in the States, they don't give a fuck about that, and that, that's what's so cool about them, and I'm so glad that they've put the record out for us. They were like, we love the record, don't give a shit if, like, you've got only a few hundred followers or whatever, we'll put the record out, because we believe in the record, and, like, it's good that there is still people in the uh, industry, so to speak, but that's, I still like that, and still like, um, just do it for the love of the music. Um, yeah. I think it's important to have that balance. It, I, I don't get hung up on the numbers. I think it's it's ridiculous because at the end of the day, like I know it matters, but I couldn't give a shit like that. Sometimes you just got to be patient and like things will fall into place if if they're meant to fall into place. If not, if you're not meant to have a million followers on Instagram mm-hmm. or fifty thousand or twenty thousand or ten thousand, so so be it. Like I'm having fun, so that's all that matters to me. So, um, but yeah, it, I, I'm not gonna get hung up on that but i can see why bands do like like chino said it, it is important for some re- for some sad reason but you mm. know, it is what it
0: is it kind of feels like a trap because like you don't have to be that good a, a, a musician to have a huge following because you can buy it you know or you can just be really good at marketing um, or you can catch the public sentiment at like the right time And then people flock to your Facebook page or whatever, you know, it's, it's a weird kind of like, it's, and so it's not a true measure, you know, like I I used to work, this is not relevant at all. Right. But I used to work for a media company and we would, we had this whole thing where like, we had to stop people from advertising on Facebook because we were losing money. And so it was like, how do we convince people to advertise with us? And so Facebook would release its, its reports and be like, Oh, in New Zealand, you know, there's like, Eight million people with Facebook accounts, like that's the number of people you can reach. But at the time, there was four and a half million people in New Zealand, and we're like, that doesn't, like, it, yeah. it doesn't add up. And like, do you, but they don't count for doubles. They don't count for inactive accounts. They just count for people that have accounts, right? And it's like, oh, an account exists. Add it to the, add it to the list. And so it's kind of a, um, once you once you know that, you sort of realize it's like a false metric. You know, hundred yeah. percent. Like it's 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 quite sad, really, isn't it? It's um,
1: it's like some. Of the, I, was, I was on an artist page the other day. Um, someone huge. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tom Petty or someone. But like, I was looking at the the, the numbers on like the Facebook or something. And I was like, dude, like, obviously he's got a lot more fans than this. Do you know what I mean? But what you got to remember is like. A lot of people don't bother with social media as well. I know it sounds, I know it's rare, but like a lot of people don't bother with social media. So, like, but labels and like, you know, people in the industry don't really take that into account. They want to see you've got a shitload of followers and, and then that's, and that's what matters rather than the, the music mattering the most, which is, which is quite, it's, it's a bit depressing really. But, um, but yeah, I can't remember sorry to bring, what,
0: bring the mood down. <laughs>
1: I know, it's a forward, mate. But yeah. Oh, God, 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 God. God, God, I remember. I think it might have been Tom Petty. I was thinking, man, like Tom. There's, there's more than like a million people who like Tom Petty. There's like fucking like, you know, tens of millions. But obviously, like you know, age groups and stuff. Like you know, for me, like his music sort of spans those different age groups. Obviously, people say, well it's more older people, but and they're not going to have social media or whatever. But I don't know. Hopefully, things change. I don't know if it ever will, but it is what it is. Like if. If we get loads of followers, that' amazing. Like, but I ain't gonna. I'm not too fussy either way, to be honest. So,
0: it's kind of like how many times do you listen to a band on Spotify and then go, "Oh, I'm gonna follow them on Facebook or Instagram." Like, probably not much, right? Because exactly. you just yeah, have yeah. follow on Spotify.
1: Exactly, yeah. You hit the nail
0: on the head. That's exactly it. So, so before I go, let you guys go, um, I and I, I always have this thing where like. I don't want to get people to explain what their lyrics are about because it becomes like a whole thing. And what if they've written a great song about a really dumb thing? You know, like then you then everyone's disappointed. But I've been to but the subject of perfectionism has been coming up a lot. And there's this fantastic Neil Gaiman quote where he's like, books aren't finished, they're just abandoned. You get to a point where you could you have to stop working on it because otherwise you'll work on it forever. For you guys, is there a really strong line when a song is finished? Are you like, yep, this is 100% done, bank it? Or do you get to a point where you go, we're just, we're going to go crazy if we change one more riff or one more line or one more beat?
2: Think, uh, uh, go on. Well, that did happen when we did the record. So we had one song that we were messing around with for ages and we'd finally got it to the point where like, we're not doing anything else with that. That is it. But most of the time, we are quite open to. You know, like because we might have a song sat around for a year before we record it and at the time we think it's finished. And then we play it again we think, oh, we can change this bit or we can change that bit or just slightly modify it. But usually the the main core of it is kind of solid within a couple of weeks of playing it. It doesn't change much after that. Like it's the, the main core of it. It might be, you know, we had a little section in here or, you know, <laughs> put another riff in there or whatever but the main core of it does stay the same.
1: Yeah, man. I think I think you can go crazy, like, changing things. like.
2: Yeah.
1: Creative people are like that. Like, you'll, you'll make something that to someone else will be like, well, like the outsider will go, that's great, man. That's awesome. You don't need to do anything else to it. But then because you're a creative type, there's something in your head going, ah, oh, you need to change that there because it can be better when nine times out of ten you don't need to change it. I always think the best songs are like the most simplest songs, but, um, but yeah, for me, like if if we play a song all the way through and it feels natural and I'm not feeling like anything's forced, then to me the song's done. I think like if you start yeah. getting into it too much and think, overthinking it, I mean, I don't, obviously Jack writes the lyrics. Jack's a, a really great songwriter and lyricist. But um, for me and Chino, like uh, for me, it probably feels different to, to when a song's finished to when Jack does, because obviously he's the, like the, 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 the lyricist. so um for me if it feels natural and you've, you've played it f- through a few times and not nothing feels too forced or weird then like it's done I mean you take you can take it into a studio then and you're working with a producer and that's what that uh Chino was sort of referencing when we went to LA. Davey did have a few different ideas for the songs and like um you, you've worked on it for a year and you think you've got it perfect and then like someone else comes along with an idea and you have to change it a little bit which is fine because like, I think like these ideas were, were really sort of helpful for us but um yeah I think you can really overthink it like with a lot of things in life I think it's just you know if it's if it's a banger it's a banger don't 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 yeah. overthink it. Do you know what I mean or if it feels good it feels good don't 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 start you know thinking oh maybe we should put a fucking beat down in here <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah do a murder dolls cover or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> because are you looking forward to like going on tour and, and changing the songs on each other you know sort of playing them through and then starting to get through and be like oh if I slightly change this bass line or slightly change this riff and do you kind of mess with each other like that or is it quite a tight a tight
2: thing yeah, things do develop but it's pretty tight
1: yeah like we don't change things too much with songs that are done and like fully recorded like the songs mm-hmm. that are on the record they'll be played like the record other than like yeah few bits where like it breaks down and Jack can talk to the crowd or whatever um if it's like a new song then yeah there's a what there is there is always the space for like improvement and changes live but you know like, like I said a minute ago if it, if it sounds good like if it's if it's not broke don't fix it because mm. as creative types like as, as you probably know as well so you can be inside your head, own head quite a lot and sometimes that's quite dangerous and it's so,
0: it's one of the nice things about doing podcasts but also one of the awful things is that like everything is a moment captured you know i can't most bands i can't call back and be like oh hey i thought about this great question two days later can we jump on for like 20 minutes and discuss it you know you you've got to learn to just kind of live with it and sometimes I do great shows and I'm like, I'm so fucking good at this. And then other times I go, <laughs> oh my God, this is a disaster. I can't believe, like I haven't had a, I haven't been blacklisted, you know, but there's nothing you can do about them. You've just kind of got to put them out and see what people say.
1: You know, I'll really, you know what, genuinely not just saying it as well, because I'm on here with you. This has been really fun. Like, okay. Yeah. I wasn't
0: fishing, but thank you.
1: No, no sin- just having like lot conversations really, really cool. Yeah. Like, um, I, I enjoyed podcasts, man. Like in yours is sick, so yeah, man. Like I've really, we've both
0: really enjoyed it. It's been been cool, man. Oh, thank you. I also love your new album. If while while, while we're doing the love fest thing, I think the <laughs> album was fucking rad. So thank you. Yeah. Well done, lads. Yeah, man. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, other people think
1: the same. Um, it's just like it's just um, it we comes-
0: crave that external validation. <laughs>
1: It's just like that summer vibe. Like I, think, um, I think at the moment, with what's happened in like the past 18 months, um, I think people need to hear something or need something in their lives that just picks them up a little bit because it's been tough for everyone. And like, I think music can really, you know, it can take, for me, music is like a form of escapism. Like it switches me off from everything else and everything that bothers me and everything that worries me. And I listen to the record and, it can make me. It can change my mood completely, and I think hopefully this record can do that. It's it, it is it is quite summery sounding, and like I think the environment we recorded it, recorded it in definitely sort of reflects on the songs. And if people can listen to it and feel a li- little bit better about themselves and about their lives, then then that's awesome. And you know, job done. So <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a beautiful note to end it on. You guys, thanks so much for coming and hanging out. No, it great awesome have a good night guys and i will drop well i'll drop matt an email when this comes out um which will probably be a couple weeks and i'm sure he'll pass it on to you
1: you're a legend mate
0: so that was the love breakers here on the more than punk podcast like i said it's gonna be the album, album of the summer for a lot of people if you're a fan of green day or those classic blink 182 um pop punk bands these guys are definitely one that you want to check out like i said at the top of the episode the new album is out now so make sure you check it out spotify apple you know you guys know where you get your music you know how this thing works as always i'm over on facebook and twitter at more than punk more than punk podcast come hang out, come say hi, It'd be good to chat with you. Next week, I'm super excited to bring you the Guru Guru. Uh, this is a fun episode. It's a bit shorter than some of the other ones, but, you know, we really get in deep with some interesting stuff. So I'm excited to bring it to you. I'll catch you all again next week with the Guru Guru. Have a good weekend.